A seventh consecutive defeat for the Chicago Blackhawks as they fell last night 4-2 to two, to the hands of the Vancouver Canucks. And on today's episode, I'll be breaking down yet another lackluster loss, plus what this Hawks forward group could look like in a couple of weeks as some guys start to get healthier. And I'll also be previewing all of the playoff races across the NHL with only two months left in the regular season. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome on into another episode of Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your day. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can go and give me a follow on X at Jack Bushman too, and make sure to go and follow my Strictly Blackhawks account as well at Talkin' Hockey for all of the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And also, per usual, quick reminder to everyone watching this out there on YouTube to please go and smash that like button, comment down below, and subscribe for Celebrini, the new motto here on the Lockdown Blackhawks YouTube channel. Go do all of that real quick. It only takes two seconds to really help me out. And if you're a consistent audio listener of the podcast, make sure to go and rate and review as well. And also, gotta let you know today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Go and download the Game Time app right now and make sure to use the promo code Lockdown NHL in all caps to get $20 off to sporting events, concerts, or theater events near you. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Again, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. Don't mind me just settling in, get a little bit comfortable here. Uh, Getting right into it, the Blackhawks back in action last night for the first time in a handful of days. They had the weekend off for the Super Bowl, which I believe us fans and probably the Hawks players certainly enjoyed that little break in the schedule. Uh, But it was their third game following the NHL All-Star break last night against the Canucks, and they were coming off of a pretty solid outing against the New York Rangers, one of the top teams in the Eastern Division, leading the Metropolitan Division, as I'll be talking about a little bit more in the third and final segment of today's show. Make sure to stay tuned for all of that. Uh, But I talked yesterday on the podcast about how I was really hoping that the Blackhawks, even though they did lose that game in overtime, a really good performance all in all, one that We can be proud of as fans. I think the guys in the locker room can be proud of, along with head coach Luke Richardson. And I was really hoping that they were going to uh, carry that over and kind of build off of that momentum. And getting off to a good start was really going to help this team along the way against the top team in the entire NHL, the Vancouver Canucks, a very lofty test for this Blackhawks group. I thought, you know, really riding that momentum high in the early going of this game was going to do them some favors, uh, but they came out with an effort that certainly wasn't one that uh, anyone could be proud of, particularly head coach Luke Richardson, who was rather upset and um, not very happy with the effort, to say the least, out of this Blackhawks group. Following the game, the Blackhawks got absolutely dog walked in the opening 20 minutes. And like I said, this Vancouver Canucks team, there's a reason they're on top of the NHL standings. And they certainly showed that last night. But for the Hawks to get manhandled the way that they did in the final seven to eight minutes there, because that you know they weren't getting shots on net, but I thought their first five, six, seven minutes were actually pretty positive, all things considered. They were 
uh, creating some things in the offensive zone, spending some time down on that side of the ice. But in those final seven or eight minutes, it was all Vancouver. They had the puck on the string, doing basically whatever they wanted against this Blackhawks defense. And the Hawks weren't able to even record a shot on goal until they got a power play in the final minute. And as Seth Jones alluded to in a post-game interview, he knew he was well aware, as all of the Blackhawks were, that they had gone uh, the opening 19 minutes of this game without tallying one single shot on goal. So Seth kind of just flubbed a one-timer on that to get one for good measure. The Hawks added another one there late, but still only two shots on goal in that opening frame. And yeah, quite frankly, super lucky to not be trailing by uh, more than one goal. Connor Garland on a beautiful give-and-go passing play. Put the Canucks ahead after 20 minutes. A rare breakdown a little bit by Alex Vlasic. A bad giveaway as he was trying to stretch the puck up the ice from the D zone. And then not a real good back check by him either to go and try and prevent Connor Garland from scoring that easy tap-in on an odd man rush. A rare breakdown and miscue and lack of effort almost there from Alex Vlasic. Haven't seen that really at all this season, but you know, as a rookie, we're going to let it slide from time to time. He still, all in all, has been absolutely phenomenal this season, but the Blackhawks were just so bad in that opening 20 minutes. It really, um, I thought set them up for failure the rest of the way, even though they were only down one to nothing. Vancouver ended up doubling their lead, kind of a uh, lucky break a puck from the point bounced off of Connor Garland's skate, but hard to call it lucky with the way that they were playing. But all things considered, the Blackhawks were still in this game in the middle of the second period. They finally got on the board with a power play goal from Tyler Johnson, but I thought the make or break swing. And this one came in the final minute and a half of the second period when Colin Blackwell had an opportunity skating down the left side with some speed. His backhand shot goes off of the crossbar. And then literally seconds later, the Canucks come back on the other end and Niels Hoglander scores way too easy of a goal uh, to put the Canucks right back up by two. Jacob Megna with a really soft play on a dump in there. That was super unfortunate. Um, Super unfortunate timing for that to happen because it felt like the Blackhawks could have maybe had something going on into the third period, but Vancouver responded right back to regain that two-goal lead. That basically felt like the dagger of the Canucks put in the real dagger when they went up 4-1 to one early on in the third with a goal from uh, Dakota Joshua. Nice to see Kevin Korchinski get a late tally for his uh, third of the season. Some good play recognition to jump up on that odd man rush. He actually now leads all Blackhawks defensemen in goals with three this season, but too little too late for the Chicago Blackhawks team, and they wind up losing their seventh consecutive game and their 14th and 17 total since the start of 2024. And oh yeah, they've also been horrendous against the Vancouver Canucks these last few years. They've lost 10 of the last 11 against Vancouver. So uh, yeah, not a good showing from the Blackhawks. Hard to really have any more of a breakdown other than the Canucks kind of just had their way when the game really mattered and was on the line, especially in that first period and early on in the third as well to kind of uh, go go and add that insurance goal. Um, Shots on goal ended up being 38 to 24 in front of Vancouver. Not much more of a breakdown than that, other than it's pretty clear why these two teams are at the polar opposite end of the standings. And as I mentioned, Coach Luke Richardson was uh, not very happy with his group's performance following this game, certainly after a rather good one last Friday against the New York Rangers. So pretty disappointing that the Hawks weren't at least able to build off of that and turn in a better performance. I said yesterday I didn't expect them to go out and uh, beat this Vancouver Canucks bunch, but I certainly 
certainly thought they were capable of putting together a better effort than they did last night. Well, there were some positives, though, that I do want to get to, kind of similar to how it's been all season long, a lot of bad from this Blackhawks team as a whole, but there still were a couple of guys with some solid performances. It's just not enough from enough guys to really make a difference and get the Blackhawks some more uh, some more tallies in the W column. Philip Kurashev, though, I have to give him a lot of credit. I've, I've talked about him basically all season long, how he's been one of the guys who have really made the most of his opportunity here this season. That continues to be the case. I thought he was one of the better Blackhawks skaters in last night's game. Uh, had a really good handful of offensive shifts. It felt like anytime the Blackhawks were doing anything good, he was out there on the ice along with Nick Felino, who I'll get to in just a second. And Kershev picked up his fourth assist in three games following the NHL All-Star break with a, a nice primary apple to find Tyler Johnson in the slot for a power play goal. I thought also Kershev made some really solid plays on the back check too. There were... Um, Two or three noticeable sequences in the game where he first forced turnovers in the defensive zone and really got on guys quick. Like his skating ability, I think, has really taken a step up this season. He's always been a good skater, but I feel like he's using it in more ways this year. And his all around game has taken a leap as well. So credit to Philip Kurashev for continuing to uh, put in solid performances despite his teammates really not keeping up with uh, the pace alongside him. He now has uh, 28 points, eight goals, and 20 assists in 46 games so far this season. Nick Felino, who I just mentioned, I thought also had a really sturdy performance. He now has points in all three games following the All-Star break as well. Uh, had a great play on the Blackhawks' opening goal of the game to keep that play alive at the point. Showed off his hops a little bit there. Uh, had to break out the uh, ruler or the measuring tape to see what uh, see what Nick Felino's vertical was on that play to keep the puck alive at the point. Works it down to Kurashev without that play by Felino. Blackhawks wouldn't have scored that goal uh, and also clear that he's one of the guys that is trusted upon by this coaching staff because without Connor Bedard in the lineup, he's usually been the one leading all forwards in ice time. That was the case again last night as he skated 20 minutes in 33 seconds. Really interested to see if he's going to be put back up on the top line left wing spot uh, or, or remain there, I guess I should say, when Connor Bedard does return to the lineup here, hopefully in the next week week and a half. Um, and then Lucas Reichel also had his eight-game pointless drought snapped with a secondary assist on Kevin Korchinski's late goal. Um, made a really nice play along the wall to get that puck out of the defensive zone and up the ice quickly for an odd man rush. Puck gets bumped up to Donato. He gets it across to Korchinski for the easy tap and cross creaser. Um, and I thought Reichel early in the first period as well, had a couple of good bursts, good sequences, still altogether not, you know, I think the performances we know he's capable of. It's been a long time since we've seen it, but we know it's deep down. It's, it's in there. We saw it a lot last season and a little bit earlier on in the year, but um, it feels like <clears throat> he's just not able to string consecutive shifts together. And again, I don't think his line mates are doing him any favors, but I did think it was one of his better performances uh, in the last couple of weeks, certainly his best of the three games following the All-Star break as well, but not sure that uh, that's going to be able to keep him in the lineup. I'll be getting into all of that here in just a moment, Blackhawks fans, plus some other updates from Fifth Third Arena as the Hawks return to practice, and I'll also discuss what the Hawks forward group could look like later on this month in early March, uh, or in early March when Connor Bedard, Andreas Athanasiu, and Anthony Beauvillier return. 
But first, I got to talk to you all about Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry or stress when buying tickets to your next big event. And Game Time is the fastest and the easiest way for you to purchase all of your tickets, whether you're going to a sporting event, you're going to see a concert, a theater event, or anything that requires tickets around your area. I personally have used Game Time for probably close to 10 years at this point, whether I was uh, going down to the United Center, going to watch the Blackhawks play when I was back in high school. I still use game time to this day each and every time I'm going to a Blackhawks game or if I want to make a trip down to Wrigley Field to go and see the Cubs play or even if I'm traveling in another city and want to go and see a concert or want to go and see a comedy event, I can go and check game time and always find the cheapest and the easiest tickets. I love how they also offer some hot deals so you can get discounts from time to time and they always provide Provide you pictures of your seats so you know exactly what to expect upon arrival. I highly recommend you all go and download the Game Time app right now. And when you do, go and create an account and use the promo code uh, Lockdown NHL to get twenty dollars off with your first purchase. You heard me right. You can get twenty dollars off to come and see Connor Bedard when he returns at the United Center this season. All you have to do is download the Game Time app and use the promo code Lockdown NHL in all caps. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed game time. Segment two, I just mentioned uh, Lucas Reichel snapping his eight-game pointless skid and in my opinion, one of his better games in recent memory, despite some pretty shoddy five-on-five numbers in his uh, first game along with Mackenzie Entwistle and Taylor Radish, who has also recently been demoted down in the lineup. They did not have some really good analytical numbers together last night, but I did think Reichel was a little bit better and was more prevalent, at least. He made himself more noticeable, Um, but it does, unfortunately, Blackhawks fans, looks like he could be finding himself on the outside looking in when the Hawks are back in action tomorrow night, taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins, because uh, when the Hawks returned to practice at Fifth Third Arena this morning, they went through their line rushes, and Lucas Reichel was not in rotation on any of them. But Luke Richardson, it does look like he's kind of jumbled things up here recently, and I think it is about time, right? The only line that had really been working well. And I don't even know if I'd consider it a line. I just consider it the duo of Nick Felino and Philip Kurashev. Feels like they've been the uh, the two leading culprits for this team offensively, along with Jason Dickinson scoring goals from time to time, as he is now a certified goal scorer. Um, but some interesting combinations here from Coach Luke Richardson, uh, as we had Ryan Donato, Philip Kurashev, and Tyler Johnson skating together as the top line. We also saw Colin Blackwell, Jason Dickinson, and Joey Anderson, that second line that's been together for quite a while now, get broken up as Felino got bumped down with Donato taking his spot on the top line. He now is skating with Jason Dickinson and Joey Anderson. Boris Kachuk, who's kind of in an interesting situation under the radar a little bit, Blackhawks fans, was healthy scratched last night against the Vancouver Canucks. And according to Coach Luke Richardson, it was due to him quitting on a play in the previous game against the New York Rangers. Um, And it's kind of been a weird back and forth, I feel like, between what Kachuk has said this season and how the coaching staff has handled him. It feels like they're just not really seeing eye to eye in terms of their performances. And I kind of tend to agree. Like, I get Boris might have quit on a play, and I haven't seen the exact segment of that, but there's also no denying 
the impact that he makes on the fourth line, even though he's not burying all the opportunities that he's getting, he's still one of the only guys in the bottom six who is consistently putting himself in opportunities to do good things, putting himself in spots to do good things, I should say. Like, you can't tell me Boris Kachuk hasn't been better than Lucas Reichel or Mackenzie Entwistle, Reese Johnson, Zach Sanford. Like, even Ryan Donato, I feel like recently, Boris Kachuk has been the more effective player, but it feels like almost similar to Lucas Reichel, like Luke Richardson wants a little bit of a different style and a different mindset from Boris Kachuk. And it was just interesting reading up uh, on this from Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times as he he wrote about this. And uh, Boris Kachuk had a quote saying that he's been playing really, really well in his mind since he got recalled from Rockford, which I think was a little bit of a wake-up call. And I tend to agree with him. I do believe that Boris has been playing well. So I'm really curious to see uh, how his playing time and what his role is going to be, how that all is going to be handled over the next couple of weeks here, as I'll get into more here in just a second. But he was back in the lineup on the third line in Reichel's spot, skating with Mackenzie Entwistle and Taylor Radish. And then down on the fourth line was Reese Johnson, Zach Sanford, and Colin Blackwell, interestingly enough, down on the fourth line. Not sure I particularly love that spot for him, but Lucas Reichel and Rem Pitlick were the two forwards on the outside looking in. And speaking of Pitlick, following practice, he was actually placed on waivers by the Blackhawks, I believe for the purpose of sending him to Rockford. Uh, and since joining the Hawks earlier on in January, right after the new year, he was acquired in exchange for a conditional seventh round pick from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Hasn't had any points in nine games of action. Felt like over the last few weeks, he's come out of the lineup a little more. I just think at the time, he was someone that head coach Luke Richardson was familiar with because of their time together in Montreal and the Hawks needed a body. He was available. They brought him in. I, you know, they'd obviously love for Pitlick to have played well and then maybe had some value at the deadline or something moving forward or maybe played a key role for this team. Um, but it, it it didn't end up happening. And um I think with guys starting to get healthier, this is something we're going to see from the Blackhawks. And funny enough, this was actually something that I was going to talk about on today's episode is the Hawks forward group. I, I still think, you know, Bavillier is probably a couple weeks away. Athanasiu, I'm not exactly sure what his timeline is, but he is just skating for the first time in three months. So I figure he's probably a couple of weeks away as well. Bedard's still a week away, but we're starting to near some returns for this Blackhawks forward group. And with all the bodies they have up in the NHL right now, I think it's going to be, again, like Boris Kachuk's situation, really interesting to see how Luke Richardson handles this and who he uh, opts to have in the lineup and be playing these games rather than being guys who are healthy scratch and on the outside looking in because there are clearly too many bodies here right now if everyone is healthy at the same time. I know that's something that doesn't happen very often in a loan of itself, but I do think it's worthy of a discussion because Bedard, Athanasiu, and Beauvillier, I all think, will be back by, at the very least, sometime in uh, early March, at the very least, for all three of them. And then, don't forget, Blackhawks also have three defensemen on IR as well, and Jared Tenorti, Nikita Zaitsev, and Connor Murphy. So if all of them get healthy at the same time, that's another conversation that I'll probably be having here on this podcast. But I did want to talk about who potentially could be kept in this forward group. Who is Luke Richardson going to play if slash one everyone does get healthy? Connor Bedard is obviously the easiest piece to sort out, right? Whenever he's healthy, he's going to be in the lineup as the Blackhawks top line center. I mentioned earlier, I'm really interested to see 
whether or not Nick Felino is going to be given the, the keys to that left wing spot immediately. I kind of assume that is going to be the case considering how effective Felino has been without Bedard and their relationship together, you know, father son type of relationship. As I like to joke around, they just clearly have chemistry with one another. So wouldn't be surprised to see Bedard return in a spot of comfort alongside a guy he trusts in Nick Felino. I think that only makes sense. Really curious though, to see who's going to be on the right wing spot just for the sake of this conversation here and sorting everything out. I'm going to go with Tyler Johnson because that's where he is right here, right now, as far as what I would like to see the second line be. I don't know if this is actually going to happen, but we haven't gotten to see it all season long because Athanasius only played 11 games. Philip Kershev has kind of been a top-line guy for the Hawks all year long, and Lucas Reichel obviously has been disappointing. But I would love to see a second line of Andreas Athanasiu, Philip Kershev, and Lucas Reichel to see if maybe that's what gets Lucas Reichel going because you can't forget about how much success that trio had together late last season when Reichel was playing at his best that we've seen in the NHL so far in his young career. I would really like to see those three players get another opportunity together. Then my hypothetical third line that I have here is Colin Blackwell, Jason Dickinson, and Taylor Radish. And then as far as the fourth line goes, I have Anthony Beauvillier, Mackenzie Entwistle, just because we do need a center, and then also Joey Anderson at the right wing spot. And then that would leave as extras, Ryan Donato, Boris Kachuk, Zach Sanford, and Reese Johnson. Too, too many bodies, in my opinion, there, Blackhawks fans. We know Pitlick is already going down to the AHL, so uh, if he isn't claimed by another team, that is. So I kind of threw him out of the conversation there. But who's to go out of that group? Because obviously not all four of those guys are going to be able to be kept on the active roster. Um, and even pushing those extras along off to the side here, Blackhawks fans, you know, Lucas Reichel... <laughs> As much as I'd love to see him on the second line, it seems like Luke Richardson is very reluctant to give him that opportunity unless he deserves it, unless he plays the style that Richardson wants to see from him, which uh, I don't know if we're going to see anytime soon. So this is a really meaningful stretch coming up for Lucas Reichel to prove that he is still a guy that can be in the lineup night in, night out in. Honestly, if things don't get better, I I really don't know what what the Blackhawks are going to do. I I don't think they want to send him down to Rockford because – Quite honestly, I think they would have done it already given all of his struggles for the last few months. Um, But golly, Lucas Reichel really has to prove to this coaching staff that he can be trusted and that he is still capable of doing these things or else um, he could find himself being a healthy scratch more frequently down the stretch of the season. I also think it's a very meaningful stretch for Taylor Radish, who really hasn't proven himself at all this year with only 11 points and five goals, I believe. Uh, After scoring 20 last season and really making the most of his opportunity, he has done the polar opposite so far this year. Um, So he has to prove himself too. Ryan Donato, someone who I think has cooled down here a little bit as of late. And then also, like I mentioned, Boris Kachuk, uh, Zach Sanford, Mackenzie Entwistle, Reese Johnson. All these guys are fighting for their jobs right here, right now, and also fighting to prove to the organization that they're still worthwhile players moving forward. And that's the thing about what the Blackhawks, I feel like, have done well despite being a tanking team these last couple of years. Down the stretch of the season, when things have looked bleak and um, they, they've made in the past a lot of trades that have weakened the roster. There have been guys who have made the most of those chances that uh, are here now being impact players, right? Jason Dickinson or Sam Lafferty, who they were able to trade for value. Um, just guys like that. It feels like that's something that they have recognized 
and done a good job at these last couple of years. And um, more guys are going to be having to prove themselves that they want to be sticking around full-time here down the stretch. So really fascinated to see how all of this is going to work out for the Blackhawks because I know it doesn't happen often, but when everyone is healthy, there are too many bodies up at the NHL level right now than they can fit on the active roster. And out of those extras, uh, the two that I would personally like to see kept around would have to be Boris Kachuk and Ryan Donato, Zach Sanford, um, Reese Johnson. I just don't. Zach Sanford, I think, is certainly someone who was also just a filler guy like um, Rem Pitlick was. Reese Johnson, I think, is another guy who just could be the odd man out, unfortunately, which... I could make a case that he's been better than Mackenzie and whistle. It feels like there's not room for both of those two on the active roster. And it's going to be interesting to see who are the odd men out when uh, that time does finally arrive. All right. There was my outlook on the Blackhawks forward group in the next couple of weeks coming up in just a moment here, Blackhawks fans. I'm going to be getting into a preview of all of the playoff races down the stretch of the season and both the Western and Eastern conference. But first, I need to talk to you all about FanDuel. Go and get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 in bonus bets if your $5 bet wins. It's so easy. And you can also use these bonus bets to bet on anything from the over-unders, your favorite players, your favorite teams, quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and much, much more, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And the NBA is taking over here now that football season has wrapped up. So go and place a wager down on LeBron James, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, and some of your other favorite players and some of the top teams in the entire NBA. And if you go and sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, you can start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of the NBA. Segment three, while we know the Blackhawks aren't in a race for the playoffs this year, they are in a race for last place, though, along with the San Jose Sharks at the bottom of the standings. The Anaheim Ducks, I think you can kind of still throw in that conversation, but it's looking like a two-horse race here with the Blackhawks and the Sharks for the best odds at landing projected number one overall pick, Macklin Celebrini. But with, you know, the All-Star break now having come and gone, we're well into the second half of the season. Playoff races are starting to heat up and we're going to see some more meaningful hockey be played as we're down to the final two months, believe it or not, of the 2023-2024 NHL regular season. So I thought just as a fun little segment to wrap up the show today, I'd go through all of the divisions, see how those races are going along with the wild card in both the Eastern and Western Conference and talk a little bit about those teams quickly and give my opinions and my predictions as to which teams are going to wind up in and out of the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. So without any further ado, let's go and get into it. Starting with the Central Division, the one that the Blackhawks are in, obviously the most familiar with, even though I feel like the teams at the top, we haven't seen a ton this year of the Dallas Stars. uh, We got that two game, I think they played three times within like a 16 day stretch, but you know, not other than that, haven't seen them all season long. The Colorado Avalanche, 
I feel like we got twice early. It's just kind of been weird scheduling for the Blackhawks all season, but how the central division is shaking out right now. The stars own the first place spot with 72 points through 53 games. The Colorado avalanche are right behind them in second with 70 points through 54 games. And then the Winnipeg jets are in third with 67 points. Looks like those are the three teams still in the mix for the top overall spot in the division. Uh, I think Dallas, I've talked about it, or I guess I talked about it prior to the start of the season when I gave my uh, central division predictions. Dallas, to me, I was really impressed with the additions that they made in the offseason. I've always trusted their defense and Jake Ottinger and Nett, which is a reason why I had them in my Stanley Cup final in my bracket last year in the playoffs. And the year before that, I also had them in the final four because there's just something about that decor and that goaltending that you can rely on and come playoff hockey. I think those are the two things you need the most size, uh, physical and, and smart defensemen who have playoff experience than a goaltender that can steal you games. And Jake Ottinger so far in his young career has shown just that ability. I think the Dallas stars are poised to do good things in the Stanley cup playoffs as well. I have them finishing on top of the central division at the end of the season, like they are right now with 30 games to go. The Colorado avalanche though, I fully expect them uh, to give the Stars a run for their money. I thought these two teams were the clear-cut top two going into the season, and I expected them to battle head-to-head for that number one spot all year long. I think that's how it is going to shake out when it's all said and done. Dallas at number one, Colorado at number two. Will be interesting to see if Gabriel Landis-Cog is going to come back off uh, LTIR when the playoffs begin. It looks like that could be an option for Colorado, and us Blackhawks fans know about that as Patrick Kane, of course, returned in 2015 to help the Hawks win the Stanley Cup after they were able to add Antoine Vermette. Tampa Bay has been going that method with Nikita Kucherov in the last couple of years. Wouldn't be surprised in the least to see the captain return for Colorado, and what a big ad that would be before the Stanley Cup playoffs. Definitely don't want to be sleeping on Colorado. Come the most meaningful time of the year, I think Either them or Dallas, quite honestly, are going to be the team that represents the West in the Stanley Cup. Uh, I like the Pacific Division, but I think these two teams just have that experience and have more of the mold that I trust come Stanley Cup playoff time. Don't count out the Winnipeg Jets, though. I mean, what an impressive season it has been for them. And feels like going into every year, you never know what you're going to get out of Winnipeg. Really solid uh first 50 games to their season. They currently have 67 points, just five back of the Dallas Stars in three last games. So they still have an opportunity to win this division as well. As far as my prediction goes, I do think it's going to stay the way that it is right now with Dallas in the first place spot, Colorado in second and Winnipeg in third and really, really good first round matchup between Colorado and Winnipeg. I would have to give that edge currently though to the Avs. The Pacific Division also kind of looked like it looks like it's a three horse race at the top as far as who could win the whole thing. Vancouver, top team in the NHL right now with 78 points or leading the way. 10 points ahead of the Vegas Golden Knights with 68 points. And then Edmonton, who has just been red hot ever since canning Jay Woodcroft. Connor McDavid is a man on a mission. Six apples last night. Uh, the guy is absolutely unbelievable. Edmonton, I firmly believe, is going to ride this heater out through the rest of the season. Not, Don't think they're going to keep on this pace, but I think Vancouver is going to win this division. I believe Edmonton is going to come second, though, just because in comparison to Vegas, I think their mentalities are much, much different, whereas Edmonton, um, I think they, they know that this is just a meaningful stretch of hockey. They want to keep this heater going, keep playing their peak hockey in, until 
they reach up into the Stanley Cup playoffs and hope to carry that over, right? And I think just kind of establishing themselves as, you know, one of the best teams in the NHL now that they're on this current run it is more meaningful. It's more meaningful to them to finish this season on a good note than it is the Vegas Golden Knights, who are a group that now knows how to get it done in the most meaningful time of the year, have been there a couple of times already in their organization's history. Um, I think they're just going to be a little bit more of a relaxed group and will kind of feel good about themselves getting into the playoffs at whatever seat they can get in at, where I think Edmonton is really going to be on a charge. That's just my prediction. So I have Vancouver finishing first, Vegas, uh, Edmonton finishing in second, excuse me, and then uh, Vegas finishing in that three spot out in the Pacific division. And then as far as the wild card goes uh, out West, it is really up for grabs right now. So we have six teams within five points of one another. The Los Angeles Kings currently hold the top spot, but man, they are trending in the right direction and just got absolutely beat down last night. I believe Andre Kopitar was a minus six in that game against Buffalo. St. Louis is also tied with Los Angeles. They both have 58 points. Nashville at 56 right behind. Calgary at 55. Seattle at 54. Minnesota at 53. I think the Kings are just absolutely cooked and we're seeing signs of it right now. St. Louis, I do have qualifying in one of those two wild card spots. I've said, I think this Blues team is just too talented to fail. And now that they've let go of Craig Berube, I think there's just a new energy in the room and they're doing a lot of good things. I don't think they're one of the best teams in the Central Division, but they're too talented to not make the playoffs. I said that at the beginning of the season. I've kind of said it even throughout their struggles. So I have St. Louis sneaking in and I have the Seattle Kraken snagging that last wild card spot. There's just a flow about that Kraken team. It's almost like they're in the early stages of what the uh, Edmonton Oilers did a couple of months ago. Like I think Seattle is going to go on a really good run here at the end of the season. I like them more than Calgary. I like them more than Nashville. And I think the uh, Kings are just a disaster waiting to happen. So the two teams I have sneaking out in the West are uh, the St. Louis Blues and the Seattle Kraken with the final two spots. Moving out to the East, the Atlantic division is stacked as always. Boston up top with 74 points. Florida in second with 70. Tampa Bay in third with 63. Toronto right behind them with 62. Uh, really talented division. I think one of those four teams is going to represent the East in the Stanley Cup as well. As far as how I have it shaking out, I do think Boston is going to hold that top spot. But Florida, kind of similar to Dallas and Colorado, I think it's going to be a battle right down to the very wire. Florida is going to finish in second. I think Toronto is going to end up finishing in third and going to have a real big revenge series against the Panthers in the first round. And then Tampa Bay is going to be one of the teams qualifying for the wild guard spot, which is good news for the Blackhawks because that will mean they get their first round pick. And that will mean it will be one of the lower picks of the teams that qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Could be in the same uh, 17 to 21 range in which they landed Oliver Moore. And then the Metro, the Rangers, the uh, Hurricanes and the Flyers are the three teams leading the way right now. Those are the only three teams still in contention for the division at this point in my mind. Uh, the Rangers, I think, are actually going to get caught by the Carolina Hurricanes. I think Carolina has underwhelmed so far this season, but they're going to figure it out. And I do feel like they're a good second-half team and usually has good mojo going into the playoffs. So I believe the Canes are going to chase them down and take that number one spot. The Rangers, I have finishing second, but the rest of the division is so close. You have Philadelphia right there with the New Jersey Devils, the Islanders, the Capitals, Ovechkin starting to get going, the Penguins. Uh, they've only played 49 games, fewest among any team in the NHL, I believe. They're still in the mix. 
uh, and they're all chasing the Philadelphia Flyers, who might be the biggest surprise of the entire NHL this season. John Tortorella has done an excellent job. Say what you want about him. He has gotten and squeezed the absolute most out of that team. Despite all the Cutter Gauthier stuff, they've added Jamie Drysdale and feel like they've kind of used that as energy to motivate them and keep them going. It feels like everyone's expected them to slow down, and they just have not stopped. Only one point back of the Canes for second in the division, seven points back of the Rangers. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to hang on to that number three spot because uh, I think the New Jersey Devils are just too talented of a team to be denied, and they're going to figure it out eventually if they can get some good goaltending. But I have the Canes finishing first, the Rangers right behind finishing second, and then the New Jersey Devils finishing in third. And then the wild card is really close right now as well. Uh, Toronto is currently in that number one spot because they're fourth in the Atlantic. Detroit is in that two spot with 60 points. New Jersey right behind with 58. The Islanders right behind them with 57. And then the Capitals with 54 and Pittsburgh with 53. The two teams I have snaking out of the Eastern Conference in those wildcard spots. I already mentioned the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think, are going to get one of them. Then I have the Philadelphia Flyers. I don't think they're going to be able to hang on to that three spot in the Metro. I do think John Tortorella is still going to get them over the line and creep into the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't think the Red Wings, despite adding Patrick Kane and that chemistry that he has with Alex DeBrinkett, I don't think it's going to be enough for them to sneak in with just how talented this Eastern Conference is at the top. And then that would also mean no playoffs for either Alex Ovechkin in the Capitals and Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin in the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that's how I have it all shaping out the rest of the way. It should be really fun to watch all of these playoff races ensue and kind of heat up in the next couple of weeks. I think we're still a little early before um, kind of those playoff races get its luster and has everyone's full intention, but did just kind of want to outline where things stand right now. And when you talk about a bad Blackhawks team each and every day, it's kind of fun to go and discuss what you think about some of the top teams in the NHL for a change. So I hope you all enjoyed that segment as well. And I hope you all enjoyed today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. I think that's going to wrap things up. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Do me a favor, go and give me a follow on X at Jack Bushman too. And make sure to go and also follow my strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, everyone, enjoy the rest of your day. I'll see you next time on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.